Okay. Hello and welcome to Free America. I'm your host, Nick Yaya, and this is the Free America Podcast. Today's Sunday, July 24th, and the year is 2022, and this is episode number 101. So here we are into the hundreds now, episode 101, moving right along. Glad to have you back with us today. We also have today a returning guest, James Roguski, who uh, broke the big story about how the World Health Organization is trying to take over global health, uh, trying to take away the international or excuse me, national sovereignty of nations to decide their own health policy. And so they've, um, he's got some updates about that. And we're going to be sharing that with you today, some really concerning stuff and, and also um, tools that you can use to help impact that. So good stuff once again from James Roguski. And we're going to be speaking to him in uh, just a minute about that. Now, uh, today, of course, uh, on the podcast, I'd like to cover a little bit of news. Today is no different. I will start off by encouraging you to visit the Free America podcast website. Share this with your friends and family. And I'll point them to where the good information is. You'll get this episode as well as others. You have all the audio versions, all the audio links down the right column here. From Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and others. Up at the top, if you like to watch the video version of this, I prefer video. Uh, you can do that right here. Just click on that link and it'll take you to our video pages. All right. And um, COVID's most wanted. These people are wanted for crimes against humanity. Anthony Fauci, Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, Xi Jinping, Peter Daszak, and others. These are all the people behind the, the creation of the virus, the people who developed the vaccines, which are now killing people. Uh, these are all criminals. These are people wanted for crimes against humanity, for murder, genocide, fraud, racketeering. And we've got them all here in one single deck of cards. That's 52 different cards with 52 different people. And it comes along with this, this website here, which describes all the crimes that they've committed. So if you like, um, if you get your hands on one of these, these are going to be collector's items. I guarantee you, you can click here at the website at covidsmostwanted.com, enter the promo code podcast. And that'll get you a 20% discount as well as free shipping. So uh, I will put a link to that as well in the show notes section. You can just click on that. It'll automatically give you that 20% discount at checkout. But get your hands on these cards. These are, these are great. It's a great way to remember uh, so, so that we not forget who were the people that, are, that have participated in the biggest fraud and biggest uh, crime in human history. And there they are right there. Okay, so moving on to our news today. New data shows that masks don't work. Surprise, surprise. I know I keep bringing this up, but I'd I, I like to give you the most up-to-date and, and current studies and data. And it shows here essentially that, that Singapore and New Zealand cases overtake Australia despite their super strict mandates. It just doesn't matter. So again... Um, it just it just doesn't matter. Now, <laughs> an update on our local news here. L.A. County Department of Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer, who is uh, going to reimpose her mask mandate here in, in Los Angeles County, was spotted without wearing a mask at a uh, Major League Baseball All-Star game here in Los Angeles. 
earlier this week. So, of course, rules for thee, but not for me. Once again here, if it's so scary and so dangerous, why is she out without a mask in public, surrounded by all these people? So, hypocrite of the week, of the week right there, Barbara Ferrer. Never forget her. Um, here's some, uh, some nice good news here, um, sort of, that um, the FBI investigated the decision by the NIH, Dr. Fauci, and Dr. Collins to fund the Wuhan lab and its controversial testing of bat coronaviruses, and, and, it, and it said nothing. So there was an investigation into it. Uh, it's just that the, the FBI is complicit now in the cover-up. So, uh, but we have the information, we have the investigation. So that's the good news, uh, that, that there is that out there. And perhaps the public will be able to get our hands on that. Um, interesting note here out of this next article, BBC's vaccine expert just happens to be in charge of Pfizer's vaccine center. So again, we're seeing collusion between, well, the connection between big pharma and the mainstream media, they practically own the mainstream media that, the majority of the funding for, uh, you know, the advertising, the ads that are played on these news stations like CNN and MSNBC, even Fox, are all from big pharmaceutical companies. And the BBC is no different. And in fact, not only is their, their resident expert um, on, on air with regard to vaccines, uh, he is, a, he is a, a, in charge of Pfizer's vaccine center. So there you have it right there. Um, they're, they're just not hiding it anymore, folks. <laughs> uh, out of China, this is scary news. There are tanks in the streets of China protecting the banks from anxious customers withdrawing from their accounts. And so <laughs> this, is, this is really bad news. I don't know why I'm laughing. Um, it's kind of scary. I think that's um, is really what I, I mean to communicate here that the, the government of China has declared that these deposits are, are, are now investment products and cannot be withdrawn. So bad news for a lot of depositors there in China. We're talking about uh, millions of people. And now they brought out tanks. You can see videos here. I won't play these now, but these are some photos and uh, these are look like Twitter Twitter posts and in those Twitter posts, there are little videos embedded. So if you check out this article, you can see the videos of tanks on the streets of China in Rizhou City is one of the places here in the Shandong province. And they are protecting the banks. Scary, scary stuff. That's uh, it's not good. Not good at all. Out of Canada, more international news here. Communist Trudeau panics after his government reveals the quadruple slash triple vaccinated now account for 92% of COVID deaths across Canada. So they've, they attempted to try to hide the data and or manipulate the data in this most recent uh, reveal the government did. Um, but when it is uh, what they tried to do is they tried to incorporate people from uh, pre-vaccine into the, into the count of <clears throat> deaths associated with vaccinated versus unvaccinated. And so they were counting all the people that had died with COVID, not necessarily of COVID, 
before the vaccine was introduced, along with those who died of COVID after the vaccine was introduced. In fact, they more likely to die of COVID uh, once having had the vaccine. And that's what the data shows. And so, again, the government gets exposed for its fraud. And once again, they, they try to manipulate the numbers in their favor, in, the fa- in favor of their, their narrative, right? The agenda. Um, this uh, this uh, next, uh, next article here, this is a follow-up to a story that I covered last week with regard to doctors leaving, leaving the NIH and the CDC in droves. And this just goes into a bit more detail. I'm going to leave, uh, leave this up for you to read. I'm not going to go too much into detail over it. But, uh, you know, doctors leaving the FDA as well. And, and it just it gives you a more uh, in-depth look at, at the, the people that are involved in that, the people that are involved in, in leaving. And you get their stories. Another follow-up from last week. You remember this story about how a judge struck down New York Governor Kathy Hochul's COVID camps. Well, here she is. The, 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 the following week, she wants to bring back ma- government-mandated quarantine and isolation camps, despite the court ruling. So again, here's another example of the executive branch flat-out ignoring rulings by the, the judicial branch, which is, which is supposed to be there as as a check and balance, that's the way our system is set up. But now New York has done this on several occasions. They're doing it, <clears throat> excuse me, with the Supreme Court's ruling with regard to Second Amendment and concealed carry. They're, they're doing an end run around that. And it seems as if there's a, there's a pattern here. The executive branch has, has, has granted itself these emergency powers due to COVID. They keep renewing them. Uh, so that they can they can basically do an end run around the legislative process in the name of fear, in the name of emergency. And so that's what they're doing here in the state of New York. Uh, not really good. Um, but some interesting news in this next article, Dr. Burks, as you might remember, the scarf lady, whom I didn't include for some reason. I don't know how I left her out of the deck of cards. Uh, but she will be in the next version, so rest assured. But Dr. Burks admits that she knew that the dangerous experimental mRNA vaccines would not work, and half of the people who died were vaccinated. So uh, she's also admitted several other things, including that she lied to Donald Trump and the White House and manipulated information and 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 uh, and, and flat out ignored uh her uh, you know her orders and her mandate and um continued to lie to the american people and lie to the president which in turn shaped policy it was both her and anthony fauci were using the flawed data from the imperial college the neil ferguson model and that is what all of this policy was based on and it was and she knew it was a lie so uh, really, really bad stuff. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people are dead because of this. And, and I'm talking about from things like starvation. Um, you're talking about around the world, it's actually millions. So 
that's about it for our news. I was going to cover a couple of more things, but I'd rather really get to our guest today. So our guest today here in this article, uh, we're going to be talking about the World Health Organization reopens negotiations on global pandemic treaty for equitable and inclusive universal health care. So <clears throat> as a part of the pandemic treaty, they're now expanding this into a global healthcare initiative. This isn't. This doesn't just have to do with pandemics. Uh, this is an overall uh, global health initiative that they're going to be taking over completely. Uh, every aspect of our health, uh, we will no longer have a say. And so our guest today uh, has gone into a, a great deal of, of, he's done a great deal of research on this topic. And, and in his, um, in his blog post, which we'll bring up here in a minute, you'll see um, he's got all the recent documents. But we'll go ahead and bring it up, bring him on now, and uh, we'll just start the discussion. So, without further ado, join. Uh, please welcome me and joining James Raguski. James, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, and you know it's an honor uh, to have the time to have a discussion because. Uh, you know, this isn't the sexiest, uh, you know, news item in the world with all the things that they try to get your attention with. But um, the way this all seems to work is these organizations, they tell you exactly what they intend to do. They publish the documents and, you know, nobody reads the documents. And so, you know, my claim to fame is that I read the darn documents and I see what they're doing and I try to make it be, you know, simple enough people to comprehend because you know the way they use the english language is meant to confuse and deceive and right. you know they finally finally after 20 months um all the way back since november of 2020 there has been discussion about a pandemic treaty and it's gone by many names they um you know, to their credit, the WHO has always referred to it as it was either going to be a framework convention or an agreement or um, some other uh, international instrument. And those words were the words that they use because that falls into alignment with words that are in the WHO constitution. And the common everyday, you know, discussion of it uh, translated that into a pandemic treaty. So we'll just call it a pandemic treaty, uh, but it it has been out there in the zeitgeist, you know, in, in discussions for 20 months. And anybody who has actually said, you know, the pandemic treaty as if it was a thing um, mm. was actually speaking out of turn. When, when we talked a, a month or so or two ago, uh, about what was going on with the WHO back in April and May, leading up to their um, World Health Assembly at the end of May. Uh -huh. uh, you know, I tried to tell everybody, look, what I was talking about back then was not the pandemic treaty. What we were talking about back then were amendments put forth by the Biden administration to a, a different body of law called the International Health Regulations. And back in April and May, you know, I started off every conversation with, you know, look, if you want to talk about the proposed pandemic treaty, meet me in June or July or sometime, you know, that's when we'll be talking about that because it, it, it only really 
came into official existence uh, a week and a half ago, Wednesday, July 13th, when the WHO published a 19-page document. They refer to it as their working draft. And the first two pages are just kind of an introduction to it. Uh, so it's really only a 17-page document. And boy, you know, I, I've read it and read it and read it and read it again and you know, tried my best to summarize it. I ended up getting you know, at least 10 points that people should uh, at least be aware of. But mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, I had a conversation the other day with somebody and I said, you know, there's probably one out of a million people have actually read it. And then I, I scratched my head and I said, well, if there's 330 million people in the United States, maybe 330 people have actually read this document. Yeah. And, you know, at the moment, I'm the only one that I know of. Okay. So maybe there's, you know, a couple of hundred other people who've read it. I'm encouraging as many people to read it as possible. Um, you know, it's the, it's the link right at the top of my website and the graphic that you're looking at right now, we can certainly start discussing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I encourage everybody to read it because they are telling the world exactly what it is that you know they are planning to do and and so um you know first and foremost uh on page three of their document you know it, i'm i'm all for you know equal treatment of everyone you know on the planet you know you shouldn't have anyone have any special treatment or anything like that but you know on page three of their document which is you know right at the beginning of what they're saying um equity should remain as a principle as an indicator and an outcome of pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response. Now, you know, interestingly enough, their primary function and purpose of this treaty, you know, isn't to save lives or prevent disease or, um, you know, provide uh, early treatments or, you know, um, some kind of a vaccine that actually works the way a vaccine is supposed to. No, you know, first on the list is equity, okay? And what what they also want to do, and they mentioned it actually a couple of times, is they want to enhance the WHO's central role as the directing and coordinating authority on international health. And, and so when you actually kind of sit back and you read this document, you realize that they're focused on surveillance and compliance and governance and, um, you know, basically money. To, to make those things happen. And there really isn't any discussion of health the way, you know, regular everyday people think about, you know, what is, what is it that you do to improve and protect your health? Right. They're, they're more concerned with all of the administrative aspects or, or getting their hands on the levers of power as opposed to actually developing a plan that, that might better serve humanity. But in this case, it's more about uh, you know, wrestling, wrestling power away from governments and, 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 and folding it into this international body of, of unelected bureaucrats. It's, exactly. It's, the, the yeah. fourth point, no, it, the fourth point uh, of the 10 um, in, in that graphic that you popped up earlier is they have a catchphrase and the catchphrase is one health. And maybe if you blow that up a little bit so people can see it, the fourth one down is they want to promote a comprehensive one health approach, promoting coherence among all relevant, you know, actors. And I think 
and issues such as climate change. So, you know, so they're actually even bringing climate change into the right. discussion about health. And right. you know, there have been some interesting stories about people being diagnosed, you know, their problem was caused by climate change. But what One Health really means to the WHO is it's not just human health, it also includes wild animal health, domestic <sighs> animal health, and also health of plants. Now, you know, I do agree, you know, a healthy world, you know, is an important thing. But um, when you sure. look at what is going on in the Netherlands, okay, when government, you know, takes these ideas that the WHO is putting out, you know, these concepts of One Health, and a, a government, you know, then tries to strictly regulate nitrogen fertilizer or, or whatever, you know, the situation may be, um, and, and the end result is that farmers lose their land, um, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, is there an overriding, you know, goal that, you know, they're following? Because, you know, there are certainly ways, you know, I'm, I have a natural garden, I would never put any pesticides or fertilizer, you know, fake fertilizers on my, on my own food that I'm growing for myself. Um, but when you try to micromanage and control you know, the breadbaskets of the world. Um, yes, could they use improvement? Absolutely. Um, do you try to speed up that process to the point where you destroy it? That appears to be their goal, okay? It, it appears that their goal is to put forth ideas that sound good, right. but when you implement them and you implement them with force and, and too quickly without, you know, the proper... Um, just thinking, okay, right, of, you know, right. it, it's one thing to have a theoretical idea of what's good. It's another to be a farmer with your hands in the dirt, you know, making plants grow and putting food on the table for people. Sure. Um, you know, you might ask yourself, is there overriding purpose to destroy the systems that we have rather yeah, than improve them? Yeah, you have to wonder that. And, you know, the big the big mantra, I think, for the Biden administration, when at least when he was running for the office of president this time was build back better. We're going to build back better. And you actually heard that repeated around the world from many different leaders uh, build back better. I, I believe uh, the prime minister of England, um, he was saying it as were at those in New Zealand and Australia. So it was this build back better. But what people, what they're not saying, or if you read between the lines, what they are saying is that they have to destroy the old system first in order to rebuild in its in its place. And that's exactly what they're talking about doing here. This is what the new the new the green agenda is about, the Green New Deal. Uh, you, you can see its effects here in California, where they're especially what they're doing with fossil fuels right now with oil. Uh, they're limiting our our ability to or access to it, thereby uh, creating this this uh, it's a greater demand they hope for use of electric vehicles. And and now it sounds great on its face. Hey, right, we'll have uh, less pollution, the air will be cleaner, and we won't be reliant on these on these fossil fuels. But at, at the end of the day, there's a couple of things. There's a couple of problems with it. One, we don't have the electrical infrastructure to to uh, to hold that all together. Two, people can't afford the transition over to. And three, they don't have the the technology in place for people to transition over to. So uh, what they're going to end up doing is just destroying. Period. 
And, and this fits right in line with these other policies we're seeing at the international level, which seem to be, if you, if you look at them a little carefully, a little more carefully than, than what's on, their, on, on its face, uh, it does seem to be there to, to uh, destroy to to yeah. absolutely and you know not just a few things but everything i mean on page 13 of their document you know a, a quick little quote uh they want to ensure that actions at a national level encompass and this is another couple of their catchphrases whole of government and whole of society perspectives now you know on one level yes you want everybody working together you want cohesiveness you want cooperation and all that sort of stuff but, you know, essentially, you know, they want control of everything. And it, it's a technocratic viewpoint that even though they actually don't do things, they believe that they know how to tell other people to do things better. OK, and so they want control of whole of society and, and whole of government. One of the other things that they have on page 15 and, you know, if anybody has seen the horror show that is the FDA and the emergency use authorization process, okay? Um, one of the tenets of the um, WHO's pandemic treaty is they wanna strengthen regulatory authority capacities to accelerate the process of licensing and approving what they call pandemic response products for emergency use, okay? So <clears throat> never mind that you know we've taken a 10-year process to determine whether or not injections might or might not be safe yeah. um, and and you know bring that down into a couple of months and now with the latest fda rulings you know don't even bother testing at all go ahead and roll out the next mrna injection um they want to speed up the process and give governments around the world um the ability to do that even faster yeah with, that's you know, less safety check um yeah. you know Moving on, um, you know, uh, they, many people may know about Agenda um, 201, where, uh, you know, they had a, a, a table, they had a tabletop event, exercise. Event, event 201, you mean. Event 201, thank you. Um, where they had a tabletop exercise, um, you know, to sort of um, war game or do a simulation. Mm. Well, you know, on page uh, 16 of their proposed, you know, rough, uh, working draft of their treaty, they want to, you know, have funding for regularly scheduled simulation exercises. Yeah, and, and you know, anybody, anybody who pays attention to those simulation exercises, it certainly seems like soon after the exercise, you know, yeah. we're dealing with it in real life. Yeah. Okay. It's the, the the simulation is is cover for planning the operation. Really, is what it is. And getting yeah. everybody on the same page, like, hey, this is how it's going to go down. So, and, but right. no, it's and, a simulation. That's what we tell the public. But in and, private, and so, I believe it's something different. You know, when you when you look at how much money is spent in this bureaucratic, I mean, literally, they call it a tabletop exercise because they're sitting around a table and they make videos that pretend that they're news broadcasts and they do videos and they have actors in the street and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And, yeah. you know, that's their practice session. Well, you know, those things cost money and, you know, you could actually be improving people's health by reallocating those funds away from, you know, bureaucratic, you know, graphic design and documents and, and sitting around a table um, and, and put food on the table and, and you know, uh, 
we had a shortage and probably still do in places of uh, baby formula. It's like, how do you have money um, to do these things that are, are just bureaucrats playing games when you don't have money to actually provide the care for people you know, that actually need it? Moving yeah. on to the stuff that you might find you know, incredibly important and interesting, doing what you do, um, section uh, 13 of part four on page 16 of their document, you know, they are diving deep into the management of media and information, okay? So just a couple of quotes. Um, they want to manage public information, risk communication, and infodemics through effective channels, including social media. Now, you know, when I read between the words, um, that's called censorship. Yeah, right? exactly. Then the next quote is they want to conduct regular social media listening in order to identify misinformation as to design communications and messaging to the public to counteract misinformation, disinformation, and false news. Well, you know, they are the masters of the creation of false news. There are so many videos out there where, you know, Fauci said this and then Fauci said that. And the latest one is Fauci and Biden and all the others said, if you get these injections, you're not going to get COVID. And then, you know, there's a video of them getting the injection and now, you know, they've got COVID. And so, uh, you know, who is de designing, you know, the fake news and the false information and the misinformation? Uh, it, you know, it's an amazing talent that they have to be able to lie and then tell a different lie and then tell a different lie and be wrong on all of the different lies that they told and just you know be able to brazenly deny that they ever told any of the lies to begin with even though you know the evidence is there um you know that they're just making up stories the whole time yeah and and so um the, the last quote if i may on page 17 of their document yeah um it would be expected they got to realize this is the who you know trying to get an international treaty i think this is the um ps de resistance for them this is the whole point it would be expected that the governance mechanism would be based in the who and the functions of the governance mechanism could include without limitation to govern the implementation functioning sustainable building and progressive development of capacities, norms, and obligations after adoption of the pandemic treaty. So, you know, that's essentially where they put a whole bunch of words together saying, you know, let us be in control of everything. Just approve this and hand it over to us because we did such a great job over the past two and a half years. Um, the only problem was they didn't have enough control um, to do whatever it is they think they should do. And I, I guess to summarize it, um, rather than follow, you know, principles of almost any secure system where you um, spread around um, all of the things of importance. You don't constant, you don't put all your eggs in one basket. Okay. Right. Um, right. You, you don't bring all of the power into one central location. Um, you, you, you spread it around. That's not what they want to do. They want to bring all of the power in their direction. And, and concentrate it all at the WHO because they have been doing such a wonderful, wonderful job. 
Well, and here's the thing. Even when I, I didn't pull up this article, but there there was um, a story uh, that that Tedros went against the advice of the, there was a there was a committee or somebody that votes. They all voted whether or not to declare monkeypox a a a, a something of uh, international concern, a disease of international concern, or something like that. I can't forget the exact uh, phrasing. And they voted against it. It was like eight to six against declaring it in, in, in a something of international concern. And and Tedros, uh, head of the, the World Health Organization, overrode that and said, no, we're going to declare it a, you know, a thing of international concern. And well, so, here, so here you go. You've got even even within their own bureaucracy, they have these these checks and balances set up and they have committees and people to vote. And, and you know, they and it, it's still one man can override it. So uh, here we here we go, right? They can't even follow their own rules, let let alone rules set forth by nations with regard to self governance. So uh, it, now, does this does this also uh, is this like the last proposal where we where Biden wanted to cede our our sovereignty over to them? Is is this uh, is this all of this decision making power would that reside solely with the World Health Organization? You're, you're you're bringing up you know memories from the past from a few months ago because yes, it is very similar. <clears throat> the phrase that you were looking for was fake, which is public health emergency of international concern. Literally, they just liter literally, folks, they just declared a fake P H E I C, public health emergency of international concern. Now, you know, I would love to find out uh, who I, I saw it was eight to six and then I saw it was nine to six. So I'm not sure if it was eight or nine, but it was clearly not a unanimous decision or not even a majority. But you have to understand that the rules of that, it's an advisory committee. Okay? OK, and this is the same issue that happens with the um, FDA. You know, they have a vaccine advisory committee and all these many different. Um, advisory committees. And really, it's just for show, okay? Mm -hmm. The people who generally get picked to be on these advisory committees are, are, are going to just, you know, agree with whatever it is they're supposed to say. So, you know, who knows, but... who knows why they, you know, um, voted eight to six or nine to six. Mm -hmm. um, but the rules of the road with the WHO, uh, you know, I don't refer to Tedros Ghebreyesus as the director general. He's the dictator general of the World Hypnosis Organization. And so when he declared a fake PHEIC, Public Health Emergency of International Concern, okay? You know, there was a joke, you know, when I was a kid, when dad said to jump, you know, you're supposed to ask how high, right? It wasn't, right. You, you don't argue as to whether or not you're supposed to jump, you just do what you're told. And yeah. so the WHO does not have any legal authority whatsoever. But what we uncovered back in April and May was that the Obama administration changed uh, in a document that was in the put into the Federal Register uh, the very last day that they were in office, the, the January 19th, uh, 2017, the day before Trump was inaugurated, they changed the definition of a public health emergency. And so now, based on CDC regulations, now that Tedros has declared a PHEIC fake, um, the Department of Health and Human Services uh, Secretary um, Becerra can yeah. declare a public health emergency in the United States 
with no other justification than Tedro said so. Okay, so you know, don't hold your breath, but you know, you may see uh, the Health and Human Services Department in the United States declare a public health emergency for. And I, I, I do have to correct you. No offense, but the K is silent. It's called moneypox, and oh. you know that's what it's really all about. Thank you um, for for correcting I, me. You know. I, I wrote an article uh, on my blog uh, on Substack probably a month and a half or so ago, uh, you know, jamesruguski.substack.com, just look for moneypox. You know, it's all part of um, the game that the, the WHO plays. And so, you know, coming back to what they did this past week, uh, you know, there's a bunch of really good examples. They had scheduled to have a week uh, long series of meetings in Geneva and they said that they were going to be live streamed and recorded, okay? And so uh, the goings on in Geneva happened to, happened to start at like one o'clock in the morning uh, here in California. And so, um, you know, I watched the recordings. I watched them two or three times as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. And on Monday and Tuesday, um, you know, it's just a big pat everybody on the back fest. Uh, they must have spent a good couple of hours uh, congratulating the intergovernmental negotiating body for having produced a 19-page document. It's like, you know, in, in all honesty, big whoop de doo they've been talking about this for 20 months, and it wasn't until June 13th that they published. And if you want to go to the uh, original article there, um, uh, the 10 things, if you go to the archive and go all the way up to the beginning, uh, the... First uh, link there, I think, will get you just under the red um, hand uh, at the very top. It should be able to click on the link. That'll take you to their, uh, what is, for all intents and purposes, the um, World Health Organization's pandemic treaty. Okay. And so after 20 months of just chatter, okay, and, you know, I, I have to raise issue with um, both mainstream and alternative media. For 20 months, everybody's been talking about the pandemic treaty as if it was a thing, when what I was trying to get everybody to realize that it was just a concept, it was a proposal, it was an idea. You know, maybe on somebody's server somewhere, you know, the finished version is ready and waiting, and they're just pretending, you know, to take this path to get to where they already know they're going to be, right? But a week and a half or so ago on Wednesday the 13th, they actually finally published a working draft that anybody could point to and say at the moment that is the pandemic treaty. And so what I'm working on, and I'd like to invite your viewers, your you know listeners and viewers and, and everyone who sees this, um, give me a phone call anytime. My, my number is 310-619-3055. I'll say it again a couple of more times later on in the program. Um, we'll also post it in I, the show notes section. I'm busy crafting a response to their pandemic treaty, which um, I actually wrote the first version of it on March 25th. It's called the People's Treaty. And so the People's Treaty version 2.0, um, I'm going through a big listening session with everyone who cares to put out their uh, desires. If if, if you were going to be the person who could write the pandemic treaty, but instead you were asked to write the people's treaty, boy, let me ask everyone who's watching, 
you know, think to yourself, you know, I hear people say all the time, there ought to be a law. Mm. Okay. You know, yeah. think about whatever it is that's going, oh, there ought to be a law that they got to mm -hmm. do this, or there ought to be a law that they shouldn't be allowed to do that. Or, or maybe, oh, I can't believe that that is the law that should be repealed. And, you know, in our society, really, we'd be a lot better off if a whole heck of a lot of laws were to be repealed. And, yeah, you know, the first couple of ones that come to mind uh, is one from 1986 and then the PrEP Act where right. you know, pharmaceutical companies have no liability for any of the harm that their products cause. Unbelievable. And, you know, if there was going to be an international treaty and you were the person who could say, well, this is what the law should be or this is what the law should not be. You know, a couple of easy, low-hanging fruit, simple choices are, well, take away that liability protection from the pharmaceutical companies because they're yeah. maiming and killing people, you know, with impunity, all right? Yeah. And make it the law that the contracts that they sign with government have to be available to the public, okay? So just as two out of dozens of ideas that, you know, people have already um, given me and I've, you know, been crafting into the People's Treaty version 2.0, uh, you know, think about, you know, shouldn't it be the law that doctors can give early treatment? You know, how is it the case that they're not allowed to treat people unless, you know, their lips are turning blue or whatever? You know, it ought to be the law that safe and effective essential medications, you know, in the particular case with COVID-19, um, you know, things like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, you know, how in the world is it that, you know, organizations got away with not allowing doctors to use those safe essential medications, right? There ought to be a law that, you know, nutrition and, and food and, and, you know, healthy um, herbs and things like vitamin D should, you know, should be fundamental, okay? And, and so just as a couple of ideas that I just mentioned, yeah, um, I'm reaching out to everybody on the planet to give me a phone call 310-619-3055. If you're outside the United States, put a plus one in front of that and use Signal or Telegram or WhatsApp or Skype or, um, you know, text me or whatever. Um, the reason I'm doing that, you know, amongst many others, is back in April, the WHO did, to their credit, sort of. Um, they gave us about five or six days notice back in April. They gave us notice around the 6th or the 7th that on the 12th and the 13th of April, they were going to have a public comment session. And they did. They had two days where um, if you filled out a form and applied you know, or requested a chance to speak, and I did get a chance to speak for a whopping two minutes uh, in front of their meeting. Uh, via Zoom, and a number of other, you know, like-minded folks such as myself uh, also got to speak. And in six days, we were able to spread the word and get over 36,000 people to submit a public comment. Now, the question, it was sort of kind of a trick question, okay, and people didn't fall for it. The, the trick question was, um, well, we're, we're writing this pandemic treaty, what would you like to see in it, right? And this was the, in the middle of April. And finally, at the beginning of June, 
the WHO actually admitted that they got these 36,000 comments. They, they promised to archive them and post them publicly, and they still haven't done that. Yeah, um, of course. But, but they admitted that the majority of those comments didn't say what they wanted in the pandemic treaty. They said, we don't want no freaking treaty. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And yeah. so quickly after admitting that, the WHO canceled a long scheduled second public comment period because their attitude to the comments were, well, basically we don't want any more comments, right? Because yeah. they, they literally said, we want the comments to support what we're doing. They didn't, you know, they don't want people to give criticism and alternative perspectives on what they're doing. So they shut down the comment sure. period that was scheduled for June. And so, you know, I'm asking everybody who cares to voice their opinion, and I know people have opinions, uh, you know, comment on my Substack, which is jamesruguski.substack.com, or give me a phone call. And what I'm doing is writing the People's Treaty, which, you know, are, are really simple things, you know, like, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be playing around just with the language a little bit, you know, this isn't how it's going to be worded, but, you know, thou shalt shalt not have lockdowns thou shalt not have mask mandates thou shalt not have um you know requirements right. uh to be injected with a chemical substance in order to go to school or have a job or travel you know there's there's so many obvious things yeah. that the people want that the world health organization they are in such a bubble that if anybody listens to the first couple of days of the meetings that they held last week, you, you have to ask yourself, what planet are these people on? And so then, not really to my surprise, but yet, you know, they never cease to amaze. Um, they were supposed to be live streaming their week worth of meetings, and they did live stream Monday and Tuesday, but Wednesday and Thursday, they went silent. Really? Nothing. Okay. Until late in the day on Thursday, they came back up with a live stream and for half an hour. And, you know, you have to admire the chutzpah, I guess is maybe the word. Um, just the, the way that they can just be so blatant in the manner in which they twist the language. They promised to be transparent. And then they went silent dark you know for two days they came back for a 30-minute session to go over seven paragraphs of a report summarizing what they had just done you know in secret and they have yet to publish that seven paragraph report and they didn't show it on the screen but they just talked about it and essentially what they said is yes we are going to work to pass or adopt a treaty that is legally binding on you know everybody in the 194 member nations. Okay? Uh -huh. And and before they said that, they congratulated themselves on being so transparent huh. in in no, it gets better in sharing the decision that they had made in private with the world because now you know they admitted that now their job is to share this you know momentous decision to have a legally binding treaty that they're trying to craft 
that's going to affect the world, you know, now they have to let the world know that they've made that decision that's going to affect everybody. And that's what they call transparency. Really? So we're letting you see that we've made, we've already made the decision to control your life even more. Um, and, and, and we're calling that transparency. That's it's the arrogance of these people is you're right. And the chutzpah, it's a great word to use to describe it. And, uh, they, they, you're right. They are living in some sign of some sort of parallel universe or alternate fantasy reality to, to this reality, because it, it's not realistic. And I, I, I don't, I don't know. I think they think they can get away with it because they've been getting away with it for so long and no one's ever called them on it. But now that, that, that we're, we're focused on them, um, they still continue to do it, but they know that they've got their hands on, on the, the levers of power where, when you're talking about uh, communication, right? When you're talking about the mainstream media, you're talking about uh, scientific publications or, or social media where wherein someone can post an opposing viewpoint or doctors or scientists can can get out information outside of the normal channels that they've got in control and now they want to control that even even uh, they already do but they they want to like make it permanent and they want it you know binding like you know an international uh, document saying that they can they can do this it's it's it, it's it's beyond outrageous and the simple fact that they're that they're doing these things and calling and calling what we're saying the, the misinformation and the disinformation while they themselves are peddling the misinformation and disinformation it's just it's it's, it's you know it's classic orwellian you know newspeak of, of changing the language and and so um you know just a handful of the things that you said um right now about those topics um those are topics that are um in you know the working draft of the People's Treaty that, you know, I'm writing uh, from it. You know, I encourage you to go back over, you know, whatever um, shows. You, I think you said this is number 101. Um, there's maybe 100 shows that you've done. And if you look at some of the topics that you may have covered, you know, reach back and call me and say, hey, Jim, you know, um, uh, episode 35 or episode 47, um, you know, we touched on this topic. And my goodness, there should be a law. Yeah. OK. You know, or or whatever the law is now, it should be changed. OK. And and so, you know, I, I encourage you very seriously. Um, just think about the things that, you know, you've addressed over the last two and a half years mm -hmm. and, and say, because in the two days that the WHO did live stream and record and, and you know, have open for the public uh, their meetings, they did not even remote and this is this is probably the most the most subtle yet obvious once you understand it um insanity that that you could imagine okay they focus very much on the word equity okay now equity has a lot of meanings and i'm all for you know people being treated equally and, and fairness and all that sort of thing which is one sure. of the definitions of the word equity but, you know, society tends to change the meaning of words, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, equity means, you know, you've paid off some of your mortgage. So there's some value in your home and, you know, you're in a positive equity, right? You know, you have mm -hmm. something of value. But in most of these negotiations, without it ever really being spoken, 
what the word equity has come to mean is that nations who have less power and less money are looking at nations who have more power and more money, and they're looking at the relative number of injections that say Israel or Australia or America or Canada or Great Britain or you know most of Europe, and and they're saying, well, these folks got you know three, four, five, maybe six, seven you know boosters, whatever the numbers are, and these poorer, less powerful nations didn't get their fair share of that poison. And they're literally arguing for more poison. And the, and the phrase that they use is, you know, they're seeking equity, okay? Well, you know, if you were passing out baby formula, if you were passing out good organic food or nutrition or herbs or right. clean water or, you know, just flat out money, okay? Well, yes, if somebody else is getting seven times the amount and, and hoarding it and keeping it to themselves and, you know, not share, you know, share and share alike kind of thing. Um, if they're keeping all that goodness to themselves and other people are starving and they don't have clean water and, you know, everything else that you could imagine that would be good and healthy, then I could see arguing, you know, for an equitable landscape. Okay. But they are literally arguing for more drugs and more poison. They call them um, pandemic um, products, okay? Um, and and the, they never come out and really say, we want more of these Pfizer and Moderna and AstraZeneca and J&J injections, okay? They have all kinds of code words that they use. They don't say they want more Paxlovid or Molnupiravir or Remdesivir or Midazolam, you know? They're, they're pandemic response products, okay? They always got to have a code word. And yeah. the, the people who were the delegates during these meetings, okay, um, they, don't even, they don't even have a nameplate, okay? They have their country, which, you know, is understandable, but they don't refer to the people by their names, right? Mm. They only say, you know, Mexico or Singapore or whatever. And, and so... Uh, you know, I challenge every single viewer here to just ask yourself, do you know who was speaking on behalf of the United States at these meetings of the Intergovernmental uh, Negotiating Body for the WHO in Geneva this past week? Yeah. Because no they were representing the U.S., okay? Right. And there's no way to contact these people. There's no way really to, I, there is a list of the delegations that went to the May assembly. And, you know, conveniently enough, they published it after the assembly had begun. So if you were trying to reach your delegate to give your opinion to them, so they could take your opinion as, you know, information into the meeting, no, that's not how this works. This is not a representative democracy. You know, right? They are not your representatives. They are pawns in the game um, to make it sort of kind of look like this is some kind of a you know fair uh, event. Um, it's a charade. Yeah, it's it's all a charade. It's it's and we are the uh, you know we we end up being the 
the people that uh, bear the brunt of it. I mean, well, the, the, the public in general, you know, are they, we're not the beneficiaries of it. We're, we're in fact, like, you know, the victims, if you will, of it. And, you know, I wanted to ask you, I was reading over some of the language that they use and in it, they talk about climate emergencies or declaring climate emergencies. And I think Joe Biden this week was scheduled to, I, I don't know if he actually did declare a climate emergency here in the United States, but that's something where I see them taking this a different direction where this could not only, you know, we can have a, a you know, a viral outbreak of some sort uh, that causes a pandemic and, and these things can come and go. I mean, they've, they've kept this one going for two and a half years. Uh, you know, who's to say they're not going to keep it going for another two and a half years. But with something like the climate, that, that could be ongoing and forever, right? And we could have climate lockdowns. We can have all, all sorts of other climate-related uh, mandates, if you will. You know, I could see them saying, well, you've used up your, um, you know, your carbon credits this month, so you can't get on an airplane or you can't buy any more gasoline. So what, what are your thoughts on, on the using the climate as another form of imposing emergency restrictions? Well, I'm, I'm really actually glad you mentioned that because it sets me up for a good joke. Um, and, <laughs> okay. and, it actually, and it actually is really very, um, it, it's a spectacular analogy in, in reality about what they're doing with the uh, pandemic treaty. And so, you know, we'll talk about that. Um, but the joke is essentially, you know, um, Boris Johnson is now gone. Um, you know, the leader of Sri Lanka is gone. Uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me that leaders around the world think that there's global warming because they are all taking some heat. You know, they, Joe Biden is on the hot seat and, you know, there is a local climate, you know, crisis in the White House because uh -huh. it's it's an absolute mess. OK. Yeah. And, and so, you know, he should be feeling the heat. And, you know, it's not because of carbon dioxide. It's because of the choices that they've made. And, you know, the blowback, you know, puts some heat on these people. And, you know, we get, you know, we, the people have to keep turning up the volume so that they do feel the heat. Yeah. yeah. And so, but in reality, um, I really do want to talk about how that connects. Um, the climate accords are an agreement, you know, that was reached internationally that, is you know probably never going to see the light of day in the senate to get their advice and consent so that it could then be properly ratified with their advice and consent to make it truly legally binding okay and so a president are you talking about, the, are you talking about like the paris climate accords exactly exactly okay. and so obama signed it and you know arguably from an international viewpoint, okay? Um, when your leader signs something, um, you know, talk to, you know, international law scholars, don't talk to me about this, you know, but arguably the United States is the only, well, maybe not the only, but one of the few nations who has a whole bunch of different levels of what they consider to be legitimately referred to as a treaty, okay? There are executive agreements. There are congressional executive agreements. There are non-binding executive agreements. Most of the rest of the world doesn't give a crap about that sort of 
namby pamby you know words if your leader signed something okay then your country agreed to it and you know they think it's the case well then trump came into office and he unsigned it and biden came back into office and he signed it again and so yeah. you know i honestly think that that shortcut of having a president sign something and we're in it but we're not in it and we can leave okay you know quite frankly i think it's very embarrassing for the country right you're either in or you're not and and so as an example um and i'm curious if any of your uh, viewers uh, are aware of this the um who's constitution the article 19 gives them the um that's the where their legal structure says that they can adopt what they refer to as a convention or agreement and that's why they use that that wording they don't have the word treaty in their constitution article 19 talks about a convention or uh, agreement and so under article 19 which is what they agreed that they're going to try to use that authority in their constitution to create what could end up being what's known as a framework convention. And the Paris Accords are kind of sort of like that, um, where they set some basic guidelines and then each nation, and, and this is actually the reality that I hope every listener can realize, is this is the important part, and I probably should have led with it. We're an hour into the show, and you know this is the meat of the details of what's going on there they've written up some guidelines in their 19-page document, meaning the intergovernmental negotiating body of the WHO, where I noticed a pattern, okay? The first paragraph of each of the 14 uh, articles um, of, of what they're proposing as a treaty says, you know, this is vitally important. We have to have this, whatever the topic is. And there's a sentence that is in each of the 14 items. And it says something to the effect of when the nation goes to craft legislation, meaning pass a law or some kind of executive action or regulation or whatever measures they take, okay, you know, this is what they should be doing, okay? And so what this document is beginning to look like is a framework convention that sets some overarching guidelines and then what really is happening now right now you mentioned it in new york um, you know california these guidelines for taking over the world um, are, are now written down where their um, young leaders you know from the world economic forum who are you know in government everywhere you know trudeau infiltrated and Newsom, infiltrated everywhere um, they are busy crafting legislation on a state, you know, province, if it's in other countries, county, city, local level. Um, and, and you ask yourself, why are all of these different states and countries doing the same thing? Well, you know, they've got their marching orders already, right? And so I want to caution people, don't think that this is a treaty that's never going to pass the Senate. I agree with you, all right? Now, we don't know who's gonna be in the Senate in 2024, but that isn't the point. This is already marching orders 
guidelines so that everybody can be in lockstep to do this, 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 and this by crafting local legislation now to be in alignment with all of these things so that mm -hmm. the actual adopting of the treaty, whenever they may do that in 2024, if that's what they're shooting for, that's just the cherry on top of the Sunday that's being built right now. Right. Okay. Right. And, and yeah, so right. It's a, yeah. the, the, the document makes it very clear that, and, and, and this is just a reality. And I, I mentioned all this and I was going to ask a question, but I went off on a tangent in 2003. I wonder how many of your viewers are aware that the WHO did this type of thing. And it's called the Framework Convention on Tobacco Control. They hmm. passed, they passed or adopted a convention under Article 19 of their constitution. And good old George W. Bush signed it and never bothered to say a word to the Senate. To my knowledge, it was never presented to the Senate for their advice and consent. President signed it. Wow. Arguably. You know, what is the legal status of that? Well, here's why I call the WHO the World Hypnosis Organization. Um, just because George Bush signed something, just because Obama signed something or Trump unsigned it and Biden signed it again or whatever, does that really legally obligate us or does it set up a framework where people are hypnotized into thinking that they have to do whatever that framework convention said they have to do. And right. then the local legislatures who are connected to the World Economic Forum, you know, young leaders and all these folks, they just fall into lockstep doing what they're told, not necessarily because they're legally obligated to do so, okay, but because they want to, because they want to be in their good graces and mm -hmm. the people are just too busy trying to survive to realize that that's what's going on. Now, there's a whole concept that I am not an expert on, um, but you know, the states, each, each and every state um, has the power to nullify acts of the federal government that exceed the authority given by the Constitution, okay? Right. And, and that's an that's an avenue to be pursued, but what we're actually witnessing is you know the capture of state and you know county and local government structures um, by people who are you know arguably traitors to the United States or their individual state, and they are dramatically exceeding. The limits of not just the federal constitution but the state constitution and you know they know that they can continue to get away with it so long as we the people are just so darn busy trying to make enough money to put gas in our tank right and yeah. you know as long as they have you know a money pox crisis or a, a, a you know a war somewhere or you know a, a potential you know you know a shooting or this or that whatever's in the news as long as they can distract us from the legislation and the executive orders and and you know the um, emergency declarations and all that sort of mm -hmm. stuff, um, mm -hmm. we the people have to 
step number one, which is where I, you know, mostly put my effort is just trying to read the documents that they publish where they tell you this is what we're doing. And I encourage everybody to, you know, pay as much attention as you have time in your life to do. And if you have any questions, give me a call. You know, I'll do what I can to sift through it. But I think that's how they play the game. They, yeah. they have a document that is a set of guidelines that around the world, all of the people who want to be in their good graces um, work to enact these types of legislations on a local basis. And you look at that and you scratch your head and you go, what in the world are these people thinking? You know, how, you know, look at what's going on in the Netherlands. You know, how do you shoot yourself in the, how do you shoot your nation or how do you shoot your state or your city or your county in the foot that badly? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, you know, it's not, um, it's not illogical. by accident. It's, it's not by accident. It's not illogical. They're working on a, on a different platform, on a different goal. Yeah. And when you look at it from their perspective, oh, it makes all of the sense in the world for them yeah. to destroy what we have so that they can build back better according to their rules and guidelines right. for, for them, um, not for we the people. Exactly. And now, and they can now do this under the guise of a, an ongoing a permanent emergency under the guise of the climate, right? Climate crisis. So, so that's where that's where, well, we can starve millions of people as long as it saves the planet. And and there are people out there that will actually go along with this. They've they've got us cheering our own demise simply out of fear. Uh, people have been so it's been drummed into them. I can remember as a kid, you know, the big thing was the ozone layer is depleting and the 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 acid rain is is going to kill everything. And uh, you know those those things came and went. And I remember you know the the you know Manhattan was going to be flooded by the year two thousand. And all the ice caps were going to be gone. And it's just this perpetual state of fear that they, they keep people in. And then and then they present these what would otherwise be looked at as outrageous solutions to these alleged crises. And and people just fall all over themselves to accept it. And you're right. And they do keep people so not only you know off balance with the with the fear porn but but they keep people so busy just trying to stay alive uh, they've made it even more difficult now with um you know with with inflation to to stay alive you know so people you're right a lot of times don't have the time to dig into these documents and see exactly how they're being screwed over and so it's important uh, that that and this is why I love having you on the show is you know the work that people such as yourself are doing uh, really have brought to light the just the machinations of of these folks behind the scenes uh, the things that they're doing in secret that are that are stripping away our our rights as as human beings and uh, so I you know. Thank you for doing that. And and I really do think it was due to the effort that you put forward earlier in this year to draw attention to what they were doing, essentially in secret, that had actually 
uh, it had a huge impact and it actually put the brakes right on I, on. I would actually like to, I would actually like to explain the process. Okay. And it's, it's quite simple actually. Um, with what happened earlier in the year, um, you know, I came upon a, a couple of documents. There was a document that was published by the United States mission in Geneva. There was a document that I mentioned earlier that was in the federal register where uh, the Obama administration changed a bunch of um, definitions uh, the day before they left office. There was a document all the way back from 1948 when the United States got into uh, the um, WHO. The first document that I mentioned was actually originally from the Biden administration, and it was the amendments that they wanted to make to yet another document, which was the um, International Health Regulations. And so I started out just saying, look, here's the evidence document, you know, literally exhibit A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Okay. And so I, you know, I, I laugh if anybody even remotely tries to um, say anything about conspiracy theory, because You're what right. I'm dealing with is conspiracy yeah. evidence. Yeah, right? There's no, it's and not so, theoretical. Yeah. Right. And so, um, you know, you, you can't poke a hole in somebody's argument when it's not my opinion. I'm just shedding light on what they are putting in their official government documents. You can't go, you know, quite frankly, pretty hard to go wrong. Okay. And so yeah. waiting and waiting and waiting, you know, for 20 months, people have been talking about the pandemic treaty. And I've been saying, can you show me the document? Because it doesn't exist. There's a lot of proposals. There's a lot of ideas. Right. There's a lot of videos right. and webinars and you know PDFs and, and, and millions of words have been written. Okay, and it wasn't until a week and a half ago, Wednesday the 13th, that the WHO finally published a little tiny itty bitty 17-page document with two pages of fluff at the beginning. That is their working draft of the pandemic treaty. Well, you know, I'm a little off in that, you know, direction. That got me excited. Wow, I've actually now got something to chew on. I've got something to work with. They put their cards on the table. For 20 months, they've been putting out feelers and, you know, floating balloons and seeing what they thought they could get away with and, you know, what do people want? And what are people going for? But now there's a document from them that I encourage everybody to read. I've read it for everybody. I've summarized it. I've, you know, did a video about it. Um, but it's only 17 pages. You know, if you read two or three pages a night, you'll have a good sedative for a week. Okay. Because it will put you out. But you know, then you can actually say that you read the pandemic treaty. And I encourage everybody to do so. And then when you go and you watch the mainstream media and they talk about the pandemic treaty okay i i had someone um send me a copy of an email that they got from their united states congressperson just about a week and a half ago where they had asked them about what we were talking about back in may and their congressperson responded to their question about what happened at the world health assembly with biden's amendments and all that sort of stuff and the person forwarded the congressperson's email replied to me and you know it's just it's embarrassing i'm not 
I'm, I'm not even going to mention who the congressperson was because it's so embarrassing that they are so absolutely misinformed, but mm -hmm. yet so damn confident that they know what they're talking about. Okay. And so when I was watching mainstream media news, you know, last month when we were all talking about the amendments and, and the international, they're all talking about the pandemic treaty. And so if you go back and, and you look at what was said, you know, I, I got, um, you know, friends, oh, Jim, you know, this media outlet, that media outlet, they're talking about, you know, the issue that you're raising. And I go, no, they're not. They have no idea what they're talking about. They're talking about something that doesn't exist. And so when the WHO finally published their first working draft of the pandemic treaty, pretty much silence, hmm. okay? You know, thank you for having me on um, to talk about this because they're not, you know, they'll mention it, okay? But, you know, did anybody in any of these news agencies actually read it and analyze it and, you know, give somebody, you know, bless you, you know, to have an hour, hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes, whatever, to discuss a topic that, you know, it's just a bunch of people in Geneva deciding how to take over the world. That's all. That's, yeah, no, That's no big all deal. It is. Sure. No big deal. You know, um, you know, five seconds at the end of a, a thing and, and you're done with it. And and yeah. so, you know, it's actually quite entertaining because then you, you know, whenever they do report on it, if you actually know what's really going on and you look at the news reports, it just drives home with great clarity where the misinformation starts. Right. Yeah. Right. And and yeah, I I am really shocked that uh, that more attention is is not being paid to this because this is this is for all the marbles. This is like this is a, this is a global takeover without this is a you know a war being fought without weapons. It's being fought with words and and information and this is it. This is for all the marbles and nobody's paying any attention to it. It's stunning. It's stunning to me. So I'll, I'll, I'll just say not nobody. Okay. Because you and I are, and well, um, I keep getting more and more and more phone calls. So I'll, I'll say it again. Um, 310-619-3055. My um, plan is basically, you know, all, all I can predict is I know what I'm going to do. Okay. And I'm hoping that the WHO will get around to publishing the report, seven paragraph report that they talked about on Thursday last week. They canceled their Friday meeting. They're just done with it. Um, hopefully sometime this week, they will publish a report of what happened the two days that they, uh, they recorded and, and, and live streamed and maybe a little something about what happened in secret the two days. Mm -hmm. um, it was really interesting. The United States alluded to the fact that there were a lot of um, actions um, during those two secret days from non-governmental organizations. And I'll let you oh, read boy. between the lines as to who that yeah. might have been. The United yeah. States delegate actually wanted to make sure that it got into the record that the U.S. thanked these non-government organizations, okay? And so going forward, um, they have scheduled a public comment period for September 19th 
I'm sorry, September 29th and 30th. And we got 36,000 people to put forth a comment with five or six days notice mm-hmm. in April. Yeah. And so with, with 60 days notice, you know, I hope to get a half a million people to comment, give their opinion, you know, um, vent their spleen, you know, in the direction of the WHO at the end of September, not with the idea that the WHO is going to listen, even if it's a half a million people. You know, I know they won't because whatever we're going to be saying doesn't line up with what they're planning. Okay. But what that will mean is that half a million people know what the heck is going on. And they're wide awake and they're watching and and they're informed. And so for the next two months, um, August and September, I'm going to be doing as much as I possibly can to promote the pandemic treaty document. Hey, people, here it is. Read it. This is what the WHO wants. And here is the people's treaty. Which one do you prefer? Okay. Well, anyone who wants to call me can have input into the people's treaty, unlike the WHO, which canceled their public hearing, you know, listening session and said, no, we don't want to know what you think because you don't want what we want. Um, I want to hear from absolutely everybody. And, you know, I, I hope that you'll call me, you know, next week sometime and go, hey, Jim, you know, I did a show back when, wherever, and that topic, you know, the guest, he really knows his stuff and there should be a law. Okay. And yeah. we'll incorporate that into the people's treaty. And, you know, I am very confident that that is um, a debate that we, the people can win because they're talking about taking over the world. And we're talking about addressing things that touch people's hearts because, you know, their family member died or, you know, some hor- some horrible something happened over the past. They lost their job. People passed away. People were really sick. They had horrible side effects, whatever it may be. Um, those are the issues that our delegates to the World Health Organization should be discussing and should be crafting, you know, a legal document to address. But they are clearly not. You know, they are derelict in their duty and it's plain to see. And and so if we, the people, craft, you know, the people's treaty, not that it's going to be adopted and, you know, get the advice and consent of the Senate and ratified by the president. That isn't the point. The point is, if you're complaining about something being wrong, I was raised that you offer a positive alternative. And so that, you know, I know what I'm going to be doing for the next, you know, two months and beyond. Um, hey, here's what the WHO is doing. Here's what, you know, everyone who contributed has said, this is what we, the people want. This is the people's treaty. Would you rather have them take over the world or would you rather be aware that these are the things that we have to get, you know, down into the trenches in our local legislatures and city councils mm-hmm. and county courthouses and all that? These are the things that we, the people demand, period. Yeah. You know, forget yeah. about that taking over the world stuff. You know, how about let's fix the world that we live in rather than try to destroy it and build it back better? Yeah, absolutely. And I've been thinking along some similar lines, you know, uh, just 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 as a as 
not really an academic exercise, but but I don't know, really just to entertain myself. Uh, I, I began drafting a, a, a new declaration of independence and um, and I and outlined in it some something similar where, you know, this is, you know, we you know, uh, I outlined something with regard to corruption and, and with regard to um you know, banning Citizens United or reinstating that rather and and preventing corporations from giving unlimited money to, to political candidates. And and it, it, it felt kind of good. And I'm glad to see that that there's now there's uh, now you're, you're heading up this this public effort for people to contribute to a very, you know, a document along those same lines is saying, look, this is what we the people actually want, not what this unelected body of bureaucrats says that we should uh, accept. Kudos, so. kudos for you, and send me a copy. I'd love to read it. Um, yeah, I was I was at a political event a couple of years ago, and there were people protesting outside. And you know, I'm a, I'm I'm an open-minded guy, and I walked right up to the protesters and I said, you know, what's what's your beef, right? What is it that you want? And the guy handed me a piece of paper. And it had a list of all of the demands that they had. I said, thank you very much. I read it. I was like, it all seems to make sense to me. You know, tell me more, right? You know, I think I'm on your side based on what you said, you know. So it's one thing to complain, mm-hmm. right? And, and, you know, you got to do that. You got to say stop. And so, you know, with the WHO, you know, step number one, you know, hashtag stop the who, um, you know, hashtag um, defund the WHO, hashtag leave the who, and, you know, really what needs to be done is hashtag abolish the who, okay? But that's all fine and dandy. What is it that you want? Because you got to be working towards something positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop messing things up. Stop trying to destroy the world. Stop trying to mess up everybody's lives. Yes, you have to stop the evil, okay? But unless you replace that fear with courage, Okay. Unless you replace that hate with love, unless you replace, you know, that silence with, you know, speaking out. Um, well, you know, uh, I I've had a bunch of um, contact from people who, um, you know, watched, you know, various uh, alternative media, and you know, it hit me. Um, you know, the people who are calling me, you know, they're taking action. They're doing something. They want to get involved. Right. right? Right. If people watch, no offense to anybody watching, okay, no offense meant anybody, but think about it. If you're getting information from this platform, wonderful, God bless you. But if you're just sitting on the couch doing nothing with it, how different are you from somebody who's watching CNN, MSNBC, you know, New York Times, Washington Post, and and there's you know they're not sitting on the couch, they're out there protesting and making that craziness happen. Okay. Right. Being informed is important, but you take that information and sit on your butt with it. Boy, you know, that's not as good as, you know, what the other side is doing, which is, you know, taking. And and, and so those who um, take action, um, you know, it's funny. People have said, Jim, you know, you're crazy. You give out your phone number. Um, The only people who call me are the greatest people not just in the United States, I've gotten phone calls recently from uh, Poland and Norway and the UK and that's, Switzerland. That's great. We have, we have and, listeners around the world who I'm sure yeah. who will be reaching out and contacting you. 
Use, so, you know, use um, Telegram or Signal or WhatsApp or, you know, uh, text, you know, put a one plus in front of the 310-619-3055. You know, the only people who call me are the ones who have already been filtered through the fact that, you know, they're your viewers, okay? And they care enough to pick up the phone and go, hey, you know, tell me more. What's going on? Right. And, well, oh, it's, it's, a, been, it's, it's been a joy. It's been a joy. Yeah. It's a call to action, and and I, I do try to incorporate action items here in the show notes section of my podcast so that people can do just that. They can take action. I encourage people to share the podcast, to share the links I include to the different news stories, and uh, this is absolutely no different. In fact, so for for before we go, um, just remind people again, the, the sub stack, uh, what is the address? Um, jamesroguski.substack.com. Don't put a www in front of that. That'll not work. It's just J-A-M-E-S-R-O-G-U-S-K-I.substack.com. Uh, the first article at the moment is um, all about what the WHO is doing. You can also go to uh, thepeoplestreaty.com. No apostrophe in that. Thepeoplestreaty.com. That'll get you version one of the People's Treaty. Um, I don't know where that took you, but, um, and, you know, just give me a phone call, 310-619-3055, and we'll get you all um, right where you need to be. And, you know, quite frankly, more importantly, uh, get the link to this video that you're watching and share it all over creation. Because uh, here's one last thing I'd like to leave everybody with. It's really very simple. Um, there you go, the People's Treaty. Um, it's only a 10 point thing originally. Um, and it's that one little graphic right there, but that is gonna be incorporated into version 2.0. And, and so Great. I encourage everybody to just think on what I'm about to say. Um, this video is gonna have a link associated with it, okay? Yeah. You all have a choice. You can share that link with absolutely everybody you know, and even people that you don't know, you know, via text message or um, email or word of mouth or um, social media, whatever it may be, okay? If you choose to not send that link to any given person, you have become your own censor. And so silence and not sharing things that you think are important is the absolute worst form of censorship because you're keeping Nick from somebody, okay? How is that any different than the government shutting down a media operation? Right. You have, you know, if everybody who watches this tells everybody they know and they tell everybody they know, literally, if you do the math, I'm going to guess you have way more than 100 viewers, okay? If 100 people tell 100 people tell 100 people, you don't even got to go through the six, you know, um, levels degrees. that they... You know, six degrees of separation. If 100 people do that through five degrees, that's 10 billion people. That's the whole planet. Right. Okay. And and so, you know, if you see something of importance here, if you become a little tiny bit lazy and you decide to not share it with somebody, you have become probably the world's worst censor. Share it widely, you know, Get Nick some views, but more, but more importantly, you don't know who, okay? And, you know, I'll, if I may tell a little story, if we have time, 
I got a phone call this morning yeah, from, I got a phone call this, this morning, yesterday morning. I got a phone call yesterday morning from a sweet, wonderful, spry, sharp as a tack, 97 year old woman who reached out to me, who said um, she can't get new batteries for her pacemaker because her doctor won't see her because she's not jabbed. Okay. Now I'm doing everything I can to try to get people, you know, to help fix that. Is that here? Monster. Is that in, it's in, is that in the state of California? It's, it's in Seattle, Washington. Okay. And, okay. and so we don't know yet exactly what we're going to be able to do. Okay. But um, somebody somewhere, you know, somehow, either lawyer, doctor, somebody, okay, we're going to find some kind of help for her. Because, I mean, yeah. think about it. Um, a 97-year-old woman who is as sharp, I mean, she called me up. I had, I, I, I was bold enough to ask her how old she was, and I, my jaw hit the floor because I thought she was much younger because she was just on top yeah. of it, right? Um, seriously, people, there ought to be a law, right? A 97-year-old woman who needs new batteries in her pacemaker, yeah. and yeah. they won't do it because she's not jammed. Yeah, here, here in the state of California, there is a law. It's California Civil Code 56 says that you cannot discriminate against people with disabilities, uh, which includes limiting their access to medical facilities and services. And so perhaps they might have something similar in the state of Washington that could be applied in this case. Thanks, uh, and, thanks for and, that wisdom. And, I'll, I'll pass it on for sure. Yeah, and, and seek perhaps like an emergency injunction or something to compel that that physician to act because this is life and death and a friend of mine down here it, it almost died uh they, they he actually had a heart attack he was scheduled to go see a cardiologist and they wouldn't see him because he can't wear a mask because he has issues with breathing and um they uh, a couple of weeks later he had a heart attack and almost died they they did an emergency surgery and and put in a stent but um, but yeah, it's it's outrageous uh, what what they're doing in the name of public health, even though, you know, and I know, and now all the data is out there showing that none of these measures work and that these jabs are actually bad for your health. So it's it's really just in, I'm I'm beside myself at this point uh, at these so-called medical professionals who act like anything but. And so. Um, anyway, we are kind of short on time. If I do go longer, I found that I, I, I the file gets too big to upload to uh, been a pleasure. So, so anyway, yeah, I do want to thank you for, for coming on the show again and, and giving us this update. This is, this is great stuff and you're doing fantastic work in terms of, uh, actually giving people at, you know, an action, a way to take action and we'll, um, we'll, we'll be in touch and hopefully we can get a lot of people to comment and uh, to submit their thoughts here with the World Health Organization uh, coming okay. up here in September. So we'll put together all the links in the show notes section. And um, yeah, and that way people can, and all the links are right there in your Substack, right? In that. Yeah, it's all the, very simple. And, uh, yep. you know, a lot, a lot of people find it easy just to pick up the phone or text me. And so, you know, we're, okay. we're going to make this happen. And uh, I thank you so, so very much. Thank you. For sure. For sure. Thank you, James. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Well, there you go, folks. 
another another great episode. I'm so glad James was able to join us once again, and and uh, just great timing here too. That 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 meeting just took place this last week, and of course, it's not a shock to hear that they went dark and uh, discussed things behind closed doors as they do. And then, and then, of course, patted themselves on the back by saying that they were revealing what they talked about, which who knows if that's true or not, because they cut the video feed. So we'll never know. So anyway, once again, I'd like to thank you for tuning in to the Free America podcast. And, and I would encourage you, too, if you'd like to support us here at freeamericapodcast.com, go to covidsmostwanted.com, pick up yourself a deck of COVID's, the COVID's most wanted playing cards. we got to hold these people accountable. These people are criminals of the highest order and so uh keep keep uh keep coming back to the show keep checking us out here and if like i said if you like supporting what we do go to covidsmostwanted.com there will be a link in the show notes section where you get that 20 percent discount if you want to share that with your friends and family the promo code is podcast that gives you 20 percent off on the deck of cards so thanks again folks for tuning in we'll see you again next week and remember uh and for all our friends listening all over the world, this is a global effort. And, and what James is doing is bringing attention to the, the evil machinations of these people at the World Health Organization. And so you people from around the world who listen to and, and, and watch this show, get involved. Uh, contact James. Reach out and contact him. As he said, you can do so through apps like Signal and, and I believe Telegram and other, other apps um, where it doesn't cost you to uh, the international call and so we'll have his phone number posted up there for you and you can reach out to him and share your thoughts on what should be included in the people's treaty i love it i love it such a fantastic idea so remember folks you got to fight for that freedom it's not free they're not giving it away in fact they're trying to take it away so fight for that freedom stay free everybody good night